ho, ho! Merry Christmas, motherfuckers. That's right. This is St. Nick, and you're listening to the real football podcast with my guy, Lenny Akeastik. Take it away, Lenny. Thank you so much, St. Nick himself. Oh, my goodness gracious me. I'll let you guys on a, in on a little secret. St. Nick just told me that he's a massive liverpool fan so you know how it goes uh i think he got firmino those teeth a couple of years ago for christmas because yeah, he was a very good boy <laughs> i think he got clubs his too he needs to holler at me about those teeth uh welcome 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 uh this is the real football podcast i am lenny thank you for the intro saint nick uh let's get into it and so now we are back. The season is back. Club football is back. And after the euphoric heights of the World Cup final, possibly the greatest ever, Mbappe versus Messi, France versus Argentina, the absolute scene, seeing the GOATs take his, take his final step on the throne within the pantheon of footballing greats. We're back to League Cup action. Wow. This is the most ridiculous season that I that I could I've ever seen before. You know, considering that the I saw something online a few years a few weeks ago, or maybe a week or so before the World Cup, that the best World Cup that you'll ever see is the first World Cup as a child when you're within school holidays usually even within the southern hemisphere it was holidays for us june july and you don't have any stress in the world all you need to do is just watch football all day every day and for me mine was the 2006 world cup watching the ronaldo adriano kaka and ronaldinho all within the same team doing ridiculous things, watching Zidane, Raul, uh, shout out to Raul. Uh, just an incredible World Cup. Uh, seeing guys like Francesco Totti for the first time playing Pirlo. I mean, just just thinking about it right now takes me back to that, that winter in June, July 2006. I was in seventh grade. It was phenomenal. However... I do think Qatar 2022 is better. It, it was a phenomenal World Cup capped with the best football game I've ever seen in my life. And coming off of that, watching the scenes in Argentina with millions of people there uh, by the obelisk in Buenos Aires with the parade, just just amazing, amazing scenes. And now, boom, bada bing, bada boom. Three, four days later, there's League Cup action. Just wild. Uh, Winter World Cups are, are ridiculous. That being said, though, life moves on. And my team, my beloved, beloved Liverpool, were in action up against all who have become our modern rivals in terms of competitiveness at the top of the English game. Manchester City, Pep versus Klopp, the two best managers on the planet going head-to-head head. for the third time this season. I don't necessarily count the Community Shield as 
a competitive game, but if you win it, it's a trophy. If you don't, it's a tin pot uh, friendly. It is a friendly though. Um, and our third meeting with Manchester City, first time at the Etihad, it, it, it was almost a, a bringing back a, a return to reality, almost. Uh, just seeing the Liverpool team, I, I figured both teams would be a little bit sloppy, a little bit uh, lackluster, lacking match practice, lacking match fitness. Um, we did see quite a lot of uh, very basic errors at times. Not necessarily basic errors, but some uh, quite a bit of sloppiness in the play throughout both teams. But I'll speak from the Liverpool perspective. I mean, from moments one, actually, before I get there, just looking at the team sheet, it was a little bit strange. Uh, seeing Haaland, Kevin De Bruyne, I was like, oh shit, we're in for it today. But just looking at the names on the team sheet, and it was very strange seeing De Bruyne, Gundogan, Akanji, Laporte. Guys, where I'm like, geez, you guys are back already. Uh, I don't think Laporte, did he play? For, uh, hmm. Oops, I'm going to let that one go. Uh, but yeah, seeing guys come back so quickly, guys like Gundogan, Kevin De Bruyne, just looking at the team sheet, and I was like, how are these guys back already? But they left the World Cup weeks ago. So it makes perfect sense as to why they're back. Getting into the game, though, it was an instant, instantaneous reminder as to why Erling Haaland is in the conversation for the best player in the world right now with Kylian Mbappe. That's going to be a debate that we have, that little kids are going to have. Um, that's going to be this generation of football's Messi versus Ronaldo, considering that the World Cup kind of closed that debate. I think I think it's it's pretty unanimous at this point, uh, unless you're a hardcore CR7 fan. Uh, I know at least one <laughs> who would not listen to reason. Um, shout out Uncle Kev. But... I think it's pretty unanimous that debate is closed and a new debate is being open right now. Erling Haaland showing us exactly why he is the absolute goal machine that he is. 24 goals this season in 19 games. Ridiculous. And there's still so much season left. So he could very easily get Messi-Ronaldo numbers and really kick off this new era. That being said, I mean, what, a minute in? He has a chance. He's already a nuisance. In the 10th minute, he scores. Just, oh man, I I thought, geez, we, we looked shambolic. Liverpool in the first half were terrible, I think. Defensively, our midfield, I will touch on that very soon. Midfield was non-existent, basically. I mean, we did start Bashetic, young 18-year-old from Spain, learning his trade next to Thiago. Tiago, my guy, uh, I have a few choice words for you, um, not for you, but you know, just speaking on what I'm observing from my very comfortable chair all the way here in the United States, but man, so we got completely overrun. I think Gomez and Matip, they did what they could, but they didn't have that understanding really. They didn't necessarily marshal the back line quite as well as you need to 
to beat a Manchester City side, a Pep Man City side. I think, and this is one of those where I need to give praise to Man City and Pep Guardiola specifically. Their press, I've Liverpool have been known as this uh, amazing pressing team since Klopp came came to Liverpool. There's Gergen Gergen pressing. I'm not sure if that's how you say it correctly, but high pressing, phenomenal pressing team, maybe one of the best in the world. I think Man City's is as good as Liverpool. They they know what they're doing to get up the pitch, to play, force you to lose the ball in your own half. I've seen them do it a thousand times. We'll probably continue to see them doing, doing it as long as Pep is there. Fantastic pressing team. And so... Liverpool, we we had a tough time playing out of the back in the very in the first half. It's actually it stunned me the fact that we were still in the game, and we had the opportunity to go up. In the first half, I, we were terrible in the first half. I think Fabio Carvalho specifically had a poor game outside of the goal that he scored, which I mean he he lost the ball numerous times the physical side of the game he, he wasn't strong enough in certain 50 50s i think that's one of those things that can you can improve that strength uh conditioning power a little bit of speed those are things that you can grow into especially as a young player uh maybe get more time in the gym uh when the season is done him and harvey elliott those two specifically i think could use a little bit of bulking up to deal with the rigors of English football at the top level because there are times when they're getting pushed off the ball too easily where they could take a, a leaf out of uh, Salah's book and really learn to ride those challenges and so on and so forth. It's, that's something that I'll, I'll forgive them for that because they are very young footballers and that is something that they can improve on going forward and so Fabio Cavallo specifically he had a tough game um outside of the goal subbed off at halftime makes perfect sense I think coming into the second half I mean right before the second half right before half time Darwin Nunes has a golden opportunity to score I think he he should score that at least hit, hit it on target I think he missed a few good opportunities this game going into the second half we're down immediately Mares with a typical Mares gold control the first touch oh man that's that's world class right there calls it into the into the bottom corner we're down to one not a minute later barely a minute later i see ox shout out to ox for actually playing a game shout out to you my guy um you've been you've been one of those guys who i felt maybe even two years ago you should have been gone however shout out to you for playing an absolute laser with the outside of your foot surrounded by what three maybe even four city players to put Nunez through Nunez does the right thing I I mean watching that you're like okay you're on your right foot you can finish it he plays Salah in boom 2-2 games 
games back level ridiculous um which is that that's really strange i just did not see that coming um and then poor very oh my goodness the poor defending off of this corner Klopp will probably be livid absolutely livid after you know the short corner boom Kevin De Bruyne is on the ball one of the best deliveries on the planet I think right there next to Trent Alexander-Arnold everyone's sleeping at the back post everyone is sleeping at the back post Ake's in boom 3-2 we were done and dusted we Nunes had that one opportunity Going forward, he's one-on-one. The angle's terrible, but his finish is poor. I've seen... That's one of those goals that you could see a a world-class number nine scoring that. Harry Kane. Harry Kane. And Harry Kane, I know I, I used him on the wrong side of a comparison like this before in the previous podcast when comparing him to Kylian Mbappe. But Harry Kane scores an opportunity like that. That's a world-class striker. That's the level that we want Darwin Nunes to get to. He's not there right now. He's clearly quite raw. He, I mean, this guy, he's an enigma right now. He's, He's just pure chaos. I don't know what to expect from him. Sometimes I feel like he could score a hat-trick in five minutes. Other times, it seems like he he can't finish anything. But I think Klopp, Pep Linders, those guys will, will they'll sort him out. They'll, they'll get him on the right track. If he's willing to grind, I think they'll make a, a world-class player out of him because he has all the raw attributes that's, that you need. Um did have a poor World Cup with Uruguay. I think Uruguay had a poor World Cup in general, but I can see him really doing well for Liverpool in the next couple of years. He's not Erling Haaland, unfortunately. He's not a generational talent. I had a, a chat with a friend of mine, United supporter, uh, and at the beginning of the season, usually I like to do predictions with my with my friends. And the thing that I said was that for Liverpool to win the league, we need we needed Darwin Nunes to do better than what Erling Haaland does. That's clearly not going to happen. And so Liverpool will not win the league. Uh, and we are absolutely guaranteed to not win the League Cup. I know most people don't give a flying fuck about it. Our favorite Mickey Mouse trophy. We won it last year. We won it back in 2012. I quite enjoy winning trophies. I, I don't care what they are. Um, especially competitive trophies. Like I, I don't count the Community Shield. That's just a big plate. It's never been a real competition or a competitive game because you could always have six subs. You could always, always have six subs. That was a friendly up until the, co- up until the pandemic. And so... Community Shield doesn't count. League Cup counts as a trophy. It's a major trophy. It counts. And Liverpool Football Club are the type of football club in the upper echelons of world football that is built off of winning trophies. And so that's one that we can't win this year. I'm disappointed. I wouldn't be as disappointed if it was, if we went out to like a Leicester or a Fulham or a West Ham or something like that, where, I mean, we just went up for it. 
However, we're going out to Pep, Pep's Man City, who have been the ones in our way stopping us from winning major trophies, specifically the league. They've beaten us by one point in 90-plus point seasons, twice in the past five seasons. And so it stings a little bit more. We do have a competitive rivalry. It's not like a traditional rivalry. It's not, they're not united. I don't think they'll, they're never going to be united for Liverpool. They're never going to be Everton. But it's things just that little bit, that two, three percent more. But that's okay. We'll be all right. The league, it's the League Cup at the end of the day. I want my team to win trophies. I want any competition that we're in to take it seriously, to try and win it. However, it's fourth on our priority list in terms of competitions that we want to win. So we're not going, I'm, I'm not going to cry about it. I'm not going to be salty or anything like that. It's not the Champions League. It's not the, it's not the league. It's not even the FA Cup. So you know what? It is what it is. But when looking at our season and our prospects for this season, I think that was a key opportunity for us to win a trophy, to get our hands on a trophy. If you look at the teams that are into the quarterfinals right now, the only other top six team, had we beaten City, are United. That's a golden opportunity to go and get another trophy. And it was missed. I mean, we had to go to the Etihad and win. It's tough luck, but it is what it is. Looking at the rest of our season, though, and where Liverpool are at, and that's what I want to kind of get into right now. We started the season quite poorly, uh, very inconsistent. I mean, we we had some good results. We beat the most informed team in Europe, Napoli, Tunnel, but they they wiped the floor with us in Naples. We beat City. We lose at home to Leeds. We qualify from our Champions League group. We wipe the floor with Ajax. We lose to Nottingham Forest. No consistency at all. I think our squad were at the point where we need to... We are transitioning to our new to a new team. And I'm going to lift the hood up on this and let's get into it a little bit. And so... If you take a look at the at our defense, I mean, even start with the keeper. Allison, world-class. Top three keeper in, in my eyes. I don't have any issues with him at all. He's he's fantastic, phenomenal player. Backup, Kelleher. Fantastic backup. He, he could be starting at at least 50% of Premier League teams. He He's that good. He's a very, very good goalkeeper. Great shot stopper. We've seen him handle business in penalty shootouts. He's a very, very good player. Defensively, we have Virgil van Dijk, who he he's not the van Dijk of old. For about two years, maybe two and a half years, he was looking like a, a an all-time great centre-back. Pickford, you fucking cunt. He kicks him with a wild fucking challenge, does his ACL. He wasn't the best. He hadn't got up to full speed after that season 
for the first half. I believe the second half of the first half of 2022, so the second half of 21-22 season, he was looking like the Van Dyke of old. But just off two, three, four percent, where I think it was the Champions League final, the goal that we conceded, and Vinicius scores that, and then Madrid sews the game up. I remember seeing a little bit of analysis or replay or something where his body position is out. Whether his body position is perfect, and I don't know if he manages to influence that that, uh, bit of play at all, but that's the kind of thing that's 2018 to 2020 Virgil van Dijk, he does not make that mistake. It's a shame, but it is what it is. He's still world-class. No questions about it. He's still our leader at the back. He He's the guy. So he starts for sure, for sure. Next to him, I think Konate should be the guy. And I think Klopp probably agrees because Klopp started Konate last season in the Champions League final against Real fucking Madrid. So those two, I think, should be our starting two. Joel Matip, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. We have Joe Gomez, who he needs to play to really get back up to speed. I I don't know if he's going to be able to display that form that we saw him in in nineteen twenty when it was him and Van Dyke, and they looked like where he was looking like better than Van Dyke in certain games. I don't know if he's going to get back to that level. It remains to be seen, with especially without playing consistently. But if we're playing three games a week, then he'll he'll definitely be in the team, and so he'll get enough games. He'll get enough games. I don't know if he'll if he'll get back to that level though. He has looked a little bit shaky. He handled Erling Haaland in the game at Anfield uh, quite well, and so we'll need to see what happens going forward with that um and those are four top that i mean we're stacked at center back and then we have nat phillips who came on today very serviceable he's a premier league level player when you look at our fullbacks robertson chimikas the greek scouser fantastic that's that's everything every single thing you want in terms of a single position in terms of depth that's what you want. You want a world-class player. Andy Robertson has been world-class for at least four, four years now at left back. He's had his ups and downs here and there. From time to time, he'll get caught out. But literally every single le- every single fullback on planet Earth gets caught out from time to time. And Chimikas, a very, very capable uh, backup. Perfect. We look over to right back. We have Trent, who's been very suspect defensively, but... He's Trent. He's going to get assists. He's going to use that wand of a right foot to spray crossfield passes right onto Andy Robertson's foot or chest or head at any point. He's going to get assists. He's a, an extremely unique footballer. And so Trent gives and Trent takes. It is what it is. Uh, we just have to accept that at this point. And then behind him, you have Joe Gomez and you have Molnar. Molnar, my guy, you've been an absolute gem. I think Premier League all-time great, for sure. 
but he should not be starting. He should be coming on in FA Cup third rounds or maybe, you know, to see out a 2-1 lead after 85 minutes in a Premier League game. That's where he should be. He should not be starting. So I'd much rather have Joe Gomez start there. Although, to Milner's credit, he does have a few good performances in him. He was fantastic against Full Foden, uh, who had him on toast the season before. In the game at Anfield, he helped keep us a clean sheet and beat probably the best, most consistent team in Europe in the past four or five years. Uh, and so he, he does have his moments, but those moments are going to become fewer and farther between. He's 37 right now. It, it, I mean, father time comes for us all. Time is undefeated. So we is time as a starter left about five years ago. But anyways, uh, so you can kind of manage at right back, but I'd much rather see Joe Gomez start the uh, play over Milner. Our midfield is a mess, absolute mess. I'll get to the mess in a second. Let me just speak on the forwards. So for three spaces, we have five, you could say six. Um, if we were to include Fabio Carvalho, you have Luis Diaz, who's been a revelation since joining in January. Uh, tireless worker. I'd love to see more goals from him, but he he he's a fantastic player. Fantastic player. Um, you've got Firmino, who has looked a lot more revitalized this season. Uh, more than once, I've thought, okay, this is him done. He He's probably going to go. I thought he should have gone instead of Sadio Mane. As I, Sadio Mane was my favorite Liverpool player since Steven Gerrard, uh, no questions asked. So I felt as though Firmino should have gone. He's looked very good this season, uh, especially playing more of a 10 role when Klopp started playing around with the formations. I like it. You know, he, he does have more to offer. Darwin Nunes, who big money signing, I spoke about him a little bit. He he needs to... I think Klopp, Klopp and Pep Linders will sort him out. Um, there's an element of composure that he does not have right now that any deadly striker needs to have composure. They need to have ice in their veins. And you can kind of see, especially today with his opportunity when he broke on the right and he dragged it wide... You see the look on his face. He looks across. There's no pass. He looks down. He looks to the keeper, and you could just tell he's not scoring this. There's an element of, uh, I think Thierry Henry was talking about this, where there needs to be ice in your veins to, to become a deadly striker, and that's something that I think he can grow into. He was an absolute menace for Benfica last season. Absolute menace. And I think that is something that he can grow into. If he had a better midfield behind him, then I think he, he would be doing a lot better. Uh, he's definitely not a shit Andy Carroll. He's scored a few goals already. Uh, important goals for us already. So I think he'll come good. But he's one more so for the future than right now. We've got Mo Salah, signed him to a long contract extension. 
not long, but uh, long for a player in his 30s. Still a phenomenal football player, world-class player. He gets a lot of attention in terms of defenses. And so that is something we need to look more into. I think him coming more centrally helps us as opposed to him being stuck out wide. We saw him stuck out wide a lot last season, especially in the second half of the season. He was playing at a Ballon d'Or level. He was, it was him, Benzema, Lewandowski playing at, it was those three. And then Benz, he, he continued, Lewandowski continued, Salah fell off, especially after AFCON. So, however, former temporary class is permanent, I think he'll, he'll be fantastic. Behind, and then we have Diogo Jota. Diogo Jota, fantastic player. I think he's, he's phenomenal. I think he's one of those where if a Nunes or a Diaz or even Salah, if they're having a tough time, tough couple of weeks, going through a rough patch, you throw him in there, he'll handle business. I think people don't give him enough credit for carrying our team to what would amount to trophies last season and picking up points when Mane and Salah were at AFCON. He was the guy. He scored, I believe, a brace against Arsenal in the League Cup semi. Just a fantastic player. Fantastic player. I think he he should play more often than not. Um, But very, very serviceable front three. You can pick any three out of those five could throw in Carvalho here and there, and that that a forward line will win you games. The midfield, oh me, oh my. Now, here's my thing with the midfield. Our starting midfield is Fabinho, Henderson, Thiago. Fabinho, age-wise, should have a lot of legs in him. He should he should be good for a Another four years at least. He's looked ragged this season. Oh my goodness. And that's the that's the one position that any top class team you it's absolutely necessary. Man City showed us that you don't need a a goal scorer to win big trophies when they won the league without a striker two seasons in a row, right? They showed us that. However, you need a top-class six. It, that's not negotiable. Casemiro at Real Madrid. Busquets, as washed as I think he kind of is now, he was dominating there for Barcelona. City have Rodri. City had Fernandinho. We have Fabinho, but he's fallen off a cliff. I don't know what happened over the summer. Maybe the Champions League final loss hit him hard. I don't know, but he's the one where he's, he's the linchpin. He's the, the key component as to why our, our team is dysfunctional right now. If he can rediscover his form, we will see, we can see a Liverpool team going on a Champions League run or an FA Cup run or really surge up the table and maybe finish second or something like that. I don't know what Klopp needs to do, but Fab is the key in all of this. Outside of Fab, we have Henderson, who 
he played the most games that he's ever played at Liverpool last season. He, he was phenomenal. I think that was probably his last great season in terms of playing week in, week out. He, he played a lot of games last year. I think he can still play at that level. We saw him play very, very well for England in the knockout stages. I think he was very good against Senegal, very good against France. I don't think he can do that Wednesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Sunday, Wednesday, Saturday. I don't think he can do that. Not anymore. I, I And he was injury prone. He is injury prone for such a long time that I don't think we've ever really seen him do that. So he should be stepping more into a Milner role as opposed to starting week in and week out. Unfortunately, similar story for Thiago. I think Thiago and I, I have a, a, an Arsenal supporting friend who every time I speak about Liverpool and our midfield, he's always like, Thiago is not, he's not doing what needs to be done to warrant the praise that us as Liverpool fans give him. He'll maybe have a fantastic dribble and then a beautiful long ranging pass. And then we'll be like, oh, Thiago is amazing. But consistently, I've seen him misplace simple passes a lot, lose the ball unnecessarily in pressure situations. He's he's one of those where I think we can comfortably say that he's not the player that we thought he was going to be. He did come through, get injured very, very early in his Liverpool career, played through a very shitty situation in 2021 in and out of the team due to injuries uh even through last season which was a successful season in my eyes it's it's one of those where you kind of need to look at it objectively and yeah he has a fantastic highlight reel but is he doing it at a level where i mean where we can really look at him as a starter for the next two years I don't know I don't know um I don't know considering that Spain didn't even take him they're starting kids teenagers boom Gavi and Pedri they're starting them and they left Thiago I think that that should be saying something that does say something in my eyes I absolutely love him as a player he's a fantastic player extremely gifted but we can't rely on him to play week in, week out for us. I think that's just the bare bones of it at this point. And so considering that behind them, you have Ox, who I don't think has ever been a center midfielder. You have Naby Keita, who ah, I love Naby Keita. Absolutely love Naby Keita. I thought he was going to be our, our answer to the number eight position for a long, long time. It just it just hasn't worked out for him. He he was phenomenal at Leipzig. Uh, they were saying he was the second best best midfielder in the Bundesliga at the time. He was outrageous footballer. His statistics look like he's a f- fantastic player. I think even when he gets time in the team and he plays a few games in a row, those rare times that it happens, you start to see that player that we were looking for. But he. He just can't stay fit, simple as. And we're kind of at the point where 
we can't rely on him and we don't have space in the team for players who we can't rely on. I could see him as a squad player, but I don't think he'd accept that. On a quick side note, it was fantastic to see him actually play this season. I think most people thought he was done, but he actually did play and he does still exist, which is fantastic. However, Naby, my guy, I think your time at Liverpool is probably going to come to an end. And then we have a, a bunch of youngsters, Harvey Elliott. Harvey Elliott, I think he's a supremely talented footballer. I think I get excited when I see him playing. I did mention that his physicality, his physical traits do need work. He probably needs to bulk up a little bit, go to the gym, that kind of thing to play at the top level for an English club. But I think he could be there. I don't see him as an eight though. I see him as a right midfielder. And I think that's the perfect place to to segue just one quick last thing our midfield is in the situation that is in because ox and nabby didn't work out because they were so injury prone those were the two signings who are starting midfield in terms of age profile should look like fabinho nabby cater oxay chamberlain and so people a lot of people will say that the squad planning for Liverpool has been terrible. Oh, you guys, the terrible squad planning and so on and so forth. No, I completely disagree. It's just we got Naby Keita and Oxlade Chamberlain wrong. Actually, not even wrong, because if you look at Keita's statistics, they look good. It's just that he can't stay fit. It just is what it is. And that's the real issue. That is the real issue that's been the issue with him since day one and so with that being said i think we'll have a lot of inconsistency this season what i would love to see klopp do though i'd love to see him i I enjoyed seeing him change it up a little bit playing a 4-2-3-1 i'd like to see 4-4-2 classic 4-4-2 luis diaz playing on the left whenever he gets back any two of Fabinho, Thiago Henderson, Naby Keita, if he can stay fit, playing in the midfield. I mean, you can even throw in Bashetic, Molnar in a pinch. Uh, players like that you could, uh, for the two, especially since uh, guys aren't managing to stay fit. And then you have right mid i'd say javi elliott you could play there he looks like a right midfielder he doesn't look like a like an eight he doesn't look like a right winger because he's never going to play over salah and he does he's not an inside forward simple as so i think him playing there is probably the best bet that we that we could probably get i think it protects trends a little bit better to have a dedicated right midfielder as opposed to a right inside forward Salah stays. Salah is usually our furthest forward player. Uh, I know that's been the case in previous seasons, and so Trent gets a lot less help. Having a right midfielder there, fantastic. And then you have Nunes, Firmino, Salah, Jota rotating in a front two. Strike partnership causing chaos. Darwin Nunes stretching a defense. Salah coming short, 
I think that works. I think that'll work, especially in a more counter-attacking setting in the Champions League. I think that'll work fantastically well. On that note, though, club football is back. That means festive season fixtures are around the corner. We're going into a little bit of a hard freeze over the next couple of days. So I'm going to bundle up, catch some football, enjoy my Christmas. You enjoy yours. Happy holidays. I'll catch you in the next one. Thank you for your ears at this point in time. You have a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. And you take care. <laughs>